Ariel Powers loves to give he him buckets. He loves it. He like thrives <laughs> off of that male energy that like they want to beat her so bad. And for me, like it just doesn't it just doesn't move me. And I'm just like, y'all can have y'all can have LA Fitness. I promise y'all can have LA Fitness. <laughs> like it is okay. Thank you for pulling up with Miles and Owen. I am Owen Pence. I'm here with Miles Ehrlich. This is episode four of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. And you heard the audio up top. Today we have Lexi Brown on the show. So excited for you guys to hear this interview. It was awesome. Lexi is awesome. We touched on a lot of things. The NCAA tournament coming up. Athletes Unlimited. The 2023 WNBA season. You don't need me to tease it any further. You know it's going to be good. Let's get into it. We are extremely excited to welcome Lexi Brown to the show. She's currently playing in her second season of Athletes Unlimited Hoops. And heading into week four of AU, she's making a league best 47.5% for threes, which includes two games with six makes. Lexi won a title with the Chicago Sky in 2021 and is coming off a career year with the Los Angeles Sparks. On top of the year-round basketball, Lexi is a studio analyst for the ACC Network, bringing her expertise to the set to break down all the action in that conference. Lexi, thank you for pulling up with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. First, I've got to ask you about your Blue Devils, who play some of the stingiest defense in the country. They're a three seed. They drew Iona first. And if Mm -hmm. they survive the first weekend, they could potentially meet Caitlin Clark and Iowa. Yikes. So how... How far do you see your alma mater going in the tourney this year? Um, you know, I made, I made, I didn't make the bracket. I made two brackets. Um, I made one thinking with my brain, and then my second one I thought thinking with my heart and had Duke winning the championship. Um, I love it. So, realistically, they are definitely a Final Four team. Um, but like we've seen, you know, throughout their season. You know, yeah, their defense is amazing. Their defense is great, but they don't necessarily capitalize it, capitalize off of it as much as you would think. Um, you know, they're they're holding their teams, the teams that they're playing, to under fifty points. But on the flip side, they're only averaging like sixty points a game. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're. I'm just my worry for them in the tournament. You know, the ACC they had a down year. Uh, you know, with field goal percentage and three point shooting percentage. You know, my fear for them in the tournament was they they meet up with the with a team that shoots the, the three ball at a high enough rate and percentage to where, yeah, they might lower them down from their scoring average, but they in turn will not have enough offense to win the game. And for me, like, that's the only issue. But, I mean, I think they have the pow- the weapons to stop, like, a Caitlin Clark, but because she does so much more than just score the ball, um, but while being a super – crazy threat offensively I think you know if they do make it you know Iowa has to get there too um but you know I think it could be an interesting game to see if the offense trumps defense or vice versa that's what I was gonna say so Iowa does sound scary just for the blueprint of a team that could be difficult for Duke uh who plays really well defensively but might have trouble keeping up yeah I mean that's what happened to them in the ACC tournament you know Virginia Tech just got really hot from the three-point line and they just didn't have anything to combat that. I mean, you know, I think if they get into a half-court uh, game with a team and, you know, 
limit them to more twos and threes, and they have a really good chance. But if they get into a more up-and-down game and teams start launching threes on them, then I think it becomes a little bit more difficult. But again, everybody says defense wins championships. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, obviously put as much positive energy into Duke advancing as far as they possibly can. But, I mean, if anybody's seen me on Twitter, I love Caitlin Clark and I love her game. So, obviously, I wouldn't want her to lose early either. So, that's kind of, like, annoying for me to have to pick between those two teams. Um, But I think if they both meet up, I think it's going to be a great game. To your point, though, I mean, it's like we usually just pencil in, all right, I was going to make the the second week, et cetera. But as we saw last year, Creighton, you know, it's a no sure things in March. So I, I do hope we get that matchup, though. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, continuing on your your positive Duke energy here. I think Miles and I both think that uh, Celeste Taylor is a WNBA level talent. Where do you see her ceiling at? And uh, is there a player in the W that she kind of reminds you of? Celeste, I mean, for sure, I watched her a little bit at Texas. Uh, You know, I don't think that, you know, people look at her and they're like, oh, offensively, she has like a lot of, you know, capabilities. But I think that, you know, at that in that Duke system, you know, Kara just really focused a lot on defense. And, you know, I think Celeste is a very capable offensive player. I think she's great defensively I think she she's really good off the ball I mean I don't like to say like just to compare to myself but she reminds me a lot of myself you know the way she gets steals off the ball you know she's really good on the ball too but her in those passing lanes you know she's she's not super big you know she's not super super quick but she reads the passing lanes so well and she's really smart and I think that's what's going to take her you know from college to WNBA I think she has that IQ And I think a lot of players in their first year or two of the league get lost defensively. So, you know, she might not be averaging 20 points a game, but if she she understands defensive concepts, and I think that puts her a lot of levels ahead of, you know, other players coming into the WNBA the next, you know, few years. I like that comp. I mean, not just because we're getting to talk to you directly, but also because I can see that too, in terms of the the off-ball defense and in terms of just the instincts. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you kind of about your expertise about the ACC in particular, because the conference has a nation leading eight teams repping them. And I know you're talking a lot about Duke because that's where your heart is, but which team is not getting enough, uh, enough, just kind of love, which team should be talked about more? Um, you know, it's hard to say that they're not getting enough love because they are one seed, but I feel like there's a lot of, there's like a lot of question marks surrounding that one seeded Virginia tech team, um, which is understandable. You know, they didn't have a crazy non-conference. They started ACC play three and three. Um, you know, I think just the last few weeks they've been clicking on all cylinders and they've been, look, they've looked really, really good. Um, another team that I don't think gets enough respect is UNC. You know, their, their six seed was actually surprising. I was very surprised that they exceeded them that low. Um, again, they are a team that's been, you know, wildly inconsistent throughout the ACC season, but they probably, I think they have the most, uh, quad one and top 25 wins. And I think they probably have the most quad one top 25 games. Um, so they're battle tested and now they're healthy. So, you know, I think UNC is a team to look at that should, um, be getting a little bit more respect. And then Virginia Tech, I mean, a lot of people are marking them as like the quote unquote worst one seed. Um, but you know, I watched them for a whole weekend in Greensboro and they looked like one of the top teams in the country. So, um, look out for them as well. 
yeah, it feels like they're rounding into form at the right time, right? Like, and yes. I think that's so much of it across every level of sports is just getting hot at the right time. No, exactly. Would you say that the Hokies make the deepest run if you had to pick one of the ACC teams? Um, I think so. And then I also, I mean, I'm, I'm rocking with UNC too. And, you know, I wasn't, I haven't been super high on them for obvious reasons um, all season long. <laughs> but from an unbiased standpoint, you know, I think they have the capability to, you know, make a deep run too. And now they have, a, you know, a chip on their shoulder because first, the first reveal, they were a four seed and were hosting. And now they're, you know, having to go on the road and, and play two games, you know, on um, and on another team's home floor to get to the second weekend. So, you know, I feel like they're going to come in really motivated, uh, well-rested and healthy. And I think that makes a big difference for them. So we got to talk about your gig at the ACC Network. I think my first question here is, did you ever think that you'd be a member of the media? Um, <laughs> no, yes and no, because my mindset has always been like, if you can't beat them, join them. So, you know, I felt like, like at some point I was going to have to infiltrate y'all from the inside, which I'm now doing. Um, but no, it's been really fun. You know, I, it was always something that I considered doing. You know, I sit on Twitter a lot and talk a lot about basketball, NBA, WNBA, college. Um, you know, and that's where a lot of people, you know, have seen me talk about basketball so much is on Twitter. Um, for me, I didn't think that this would be something I would be able to do like right now. You know, I really saw it maybe a year or two down the line. Um, but when this opportunity presented itself to be able to focus 100 percent on women's college basketball, um, specifically the ACC, like I couldn't turn it down because, you know, the show that we have is the only hour long show that talks just about women's basketball. And I was like, I would love to be a part of that. Something I wish we had when I was in college. Um, and it was just really fun. And I learned a lot. Um, you know, sitting beside Kelsey Kelly and Coach McGraw. Um, you know, I never thought I would be sitting on a TV show next to Coach McGraw ever, you know, after playing against her all those years. Um, but, you know, she's great. They were all great, super helpful. And, you know, it's something that I definitely would like to do, you know, moving forward. We just need that on the W level too, I think. I um, It's really great to hear just your experiences with that, but also just it shows what we're lacking at at the professional level, which is obviously yeah, a deeper absolutely. conversation. Yeah. I mean, and I watch, I watch NBA TV all the time and like the whole channel is just constant NBA shows, old games, you know, talk shows, documentaries. And I'm just like, the W needs something like that. Even on YouTube at any given moment, you can watch a game, you know, clipped out where you like skip the free throws and skip the fouls and skip the timeouts. And it's just like constant gameplay like there's just those little things like that that the W is missing that can just expand the game and expand visibility. But I know that that costs money. I know that's that's time. You have to find people who are knowledgeable enough who care enough about it. Um, but you know to have something like that, similar to like what NBA TV has, would be amazing. But again, NBA is so much older than us. You know they have so much more money. But I think you know that's something that's feasible in the future for sure. And I would love to like be part of that. Hopefully in, in this near future not too far away other than just the the need for more of it because there there is such a market for this and there's so many fans and and you know us as media we're all just hungry for for this type of of content but do you think as both a player and um you know someone who has experience now in the media 
what part of women's basketball media do you think uh, needs to needs to improve? Where can we get better? And, and is there anything as a player that kind of frustrates you in terms of how you guys are covered? I think in, in being in the media, I, I had to address it myself. And then I kind of like understood the media a little bit better is, yeah, naturally you're going to have a bias towards some teams, positive or negative bias to some teams to some players and I think as a media member you have to like identify your biases and like try to offset them as often as possible um but then when you are like using your biased opinion like still make it like rooted in facts and analytics and 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 stats and not so much of like your opinion on how you feel about a player um you know if you're like this player is scoring da 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 points she's one of the best players but you look at her stats and her numbers and she's just really inefficient. She turns the ball over a lot. Like you just have to kind of fold that into your breakdown of the player. And I wouldn't say that the media needs to be more critical of players, but like just more honest about players and not in a, in a opinionated way. Like you can really look at someone's stats and be like, they have to be more efficient with the ball. They can't turn the ball over this much because they have X amount of turnovers a game. They're shooting at this percentage. I think a lot of media members or like self-proclaimed media members report things based on just solely their opinions, which is fine if we didn't play a sport that had numbers and statistics and evidence to back up how you feel. Because there have been some times where I've wanted to say something about a player or a team I turn around and look at, you know, their stats or their numbers from the season. And what I think is completely wrong. So, I mean, I think that's just the one thing that that I had identified myself. Like, yeah, everyone definitely has their own biases. Um, but you can definitely offset them. But when you want to, you know, state your opinion, that's always fine, too, because everyone is entitled to their opinion. And, you know, I stopped getting frustrated with the media maybe two years ago because it's so, like, fleeting. You know, the media can be on your side one week and two weeks later, they're tearing you down completely. So, you know, when someone says something positive about me, I always take it with a grain of salt. If someone says something negative about me, I also take it with a grain of salt. You know, I don't play for the media. Um, You know, I play because I love basketball and it's fun. And, you know, it's something that I've always wanted to do. I do think that's such a good point because I think we see this all the time. The recency bias is such a what have you done for me lately type of industry that people can just be getting heaps of praise one week and then, you know, one bad game or something and the tone has totally changed. And that is something I would encourage is just. I mean, I think the biggest example we can see of that this year has been with Angel Reese. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go from one week you know, she's getting technical fouls, you know, winning games, you know, being herself. Like, I don't think anything she does on the court is malicious by any means. I think she's just having a good time. You know, you have the media hyping it up, eating it up, you know, celebrating her. And then a few weeks later, now she has bad sportsmanship and, you know, the whole LSU team has bad sportsmanship. And, you know, because they lost to South Carolina, now they can't continue to act the way they were acting beforehand on the court because of one loss so it's like I mean I think that's that was kind of you know messed up on you know the people's part I mean Twitter is not the media 
So I think we also have to establish that as players, that people on Twitter are not the media. It's their people on Twitter. Um, but, you know, I think that was the most recent thing I've seen. You know, I love seeing the women's basketball, you know, season being broadcasted all over the place, all over socials, all over Sports Center. I love seeing it. But it changes so fast. And I hate that. But, that you know, that's just the way it is. And that's all. And that's and that's something you just have to deal with as a player. Who doesn't love filling out a bracket at this time of year? Don't lie to us. Everyone does. It's fun. It's March. It's exciting. We all can't wait. And over at Winsider, we're hosting a bracket challenge this year. We're super excited about it. Uh, it's super easy to find. So we want you to come sign up. Just search Winsider. That's W-I-N-S-I-D-R to find the group on ESPN. You can also find the link on Twitter. We're circulating it all hours of the day. Password for the Winsider Bracket Challenge is Draft Lottery with no caps, no spaces. We've leveled up this time around, partnering with WNBA vet Erica McCall and our affiliates at Breaking Tea and Homage to bring the top competitors some dope prizes. And you're not going to want to miss out on these prizes. We know you're listening to our podcast right now. You might be doing something else. I think you can stop for about 30 seconds, hit the pause button, we'll be here, and go sign up. You can talk smack using the hashtag WinsiderBracket on Twitter and have fun with us because guess what? It's March. The I want to switch gears because I could definitely, I've, got, I've already got like three follow-ups to that, but I know that we don't have you all day and we do want to talk about AU, <laughs> but that's fascinating. Um, for me, one of the most interesting components of Athletes Unlimited is the role of the captains, yep. not just in drafting the rosters, but in running practices and being the leader. I know there are facilitators there, but like y'all are doing the work, the, the, the main work. And last season you were a captain three times. And I just want to know what that was like for you and how that affected your leadership when you went back to the Sparks or in other parts of your life that you didn't anticipate? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. My dream job is to be a, a general manager of a basketball team. Like, I love all the behind-the-scenes work uh, that goes into sports because I know it, it's a lot. Um, you know, for me, I, it was a nice experience because I don't feel like the leadership aspect of my game has really been highlighted um, in the W yet one, because obviously you're young, like your first three, four years, you're still considered like a baby in the league. Um, so, you know, I'm finally, you know, reaching that vet status. Um, and it also depends on what team you're on. I've, you know, I've been on teams with, you know, some older players for most of my career. So even in year four and five, you know, I was still considered like a baby. Um, so just being a sponge and, and being led by some really, really amazing veterans and players in this league. Um, so yeah, being an AU and being, a, being a captain, like, yeah, it was definitely overwhelming at times, but I had a blast. And, you know, when you're a captain, you pretty much can build the offense that suits you, which is the, the cool part. Um, and, and everybody here understands that, which makes it, you know, easy. Like, you know, if you're getting drafted to a certain player's team, you should expect them to run an offense a certain type of way and you just have to adapt. So that definitely helped me as a player as well as, you know, adapting to different players. Um, you know, adapting to different offenses. You know, I did have to, you know, you do have to tweak your offenses every now and then because, you know, sometimes your players get poached by other captains. So they're going to, you know, tell the other players what your offense is. So you got to, you know, make some changes and adjustments as the weeks go on. But this year it's been a completely different experience. You know, I've been on all different types of teams. I've had to adjust every week pretty much. 
Um, so it's nice seeing the other side of AU because, you know, I haven't been a captain at all while I've been here this time, but, you know, I've, I've still been playing really well and having a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I love the levels to just the, it's not just what's happening on the court, but it's also the players that are shifting. And another thing that's been universal among players I've spoken to about AU is just the vibes are so, so good. Yeah. Um, last year, Kelsey Mitchell. Yeah. She last year, Kelsey Mitchell told me that she feels like she's playing basketball. Like she's a kid again. Um, I brought that up to Natasha cloud who, and I wrote down this quote cause it was all so good. And she told me, I've been saying since week one, it's like AAU. We stay in the same hotel. We come in, we're changing teams every week, changing jerseys. Your family's there. Your friend is, your friends are there. It's the most fun I've had hooping in probably the eight years I've been a professional. And that speaks volumes to not just the women here, but what we're able to create and the elite level we're able to play at, but also AU, the environment that they foster for us just to be ourselves and to have fun. So end quote there. But do you feel similarly to to that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, not having coaches and owners and front offices like just that alone makes basketball way more fun. You know, that's how we played when we were kids. That's how we play in college. You know, everyone's just playing for the love of the game and to have fun and just to win. Um, you know, you get a little bit older, you know, this a the AAU environment, you know, gets a little old. I'm not going to lie. You know, I really do like seeing the girls every day. But, you know, you get a little bit older. You're like, OK, I, I wish I could, like, dip off somewhere else for a little bit. But, you know, it's been it's been really fun. You know, we're in a new city in Dallas. So, you know, we're kind of all navigating that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I completely agree with what Kelsey and Tosh say. It's just, it's just fun here. Um, and everybody comes here with like a different, you know, motivation and motive and, and different experiences. And you are just able to play for those reasons without anybody judging you, without anybody, you know, holding anything against you. And because you switch teams, like you have to like be involved and talk and be kind because, you know, you're in a draft, so you're getting picked every week. So it kind of forces people to, you know, come outside of themselves a little bit, come out of their shell, um, which is also, you know, something good about being here and doing this AU season. One of my favorite weird things that I've, I've always taken notice of watching AU is how if a player hits the floor after a tough foul, after a tough foul like the first two players nearby come over and come and pick them yeah. up doesn't matter what color their jerseys are no you exactly your because, last week. Yeah. yeah right like I was like the team one of the teams this week is pretty much the whole team I was on last week and I got poached by Nalissa which is great like I haven't played with Nalissa yet so I'm really excited but like when I see them on Friday or Saturday you know I'm gonna be like dang like we was just teammates last week like and if I lay you out, I'm picking you up because, yeah, this is still a competition, but we're still family and I could be on your team next week. So it's just a, it's a really funny it's like a really funny and fun dynamic that we all have, you know, when we get on the court because it is competitive and everyone wants to win. But at the end of the day, like this is a family and you, you can be on anybody's team, you know, any week. So we just want to make sure that everybody's good. We take care of each other and we're just playing basketball the right way. One of the many awesome things AU does is it promotes an important cause for each player. So you're playing for Girls on the Run International. Yes. Can you just share a bit about that organization and why they're so important to you? So last year, I um, actually worked with Girl Rising. And, you know, this year I wanted to do something more local um, to me, which is they have a they have a lot of events and and things like that in Los Angeles. 
So, you know, moving forward from this, this cause that I'm, you know, supporting throughout AU, um, which is promoting mental and physical wellness and health in young girls. And then they like always finish the year with like a little 5k run um, with, you know, volunteers and the little girls involved and they just do events throughout the year. Um, you know, it's something that I wanted to, you know, continue to stay involved in, you know, after I leave Dallas. So um, having an organization that was, you know, had a headquarters and was localized in Los Angeles was important to me um, because it's something that I like would love to continue to work for and with moving forward. And knowing that I'm going to be in Los Angeles for at least the next two years, you know, it was kind of a no brainer for me. You know, I have a passion for for education, for for empowering young women and, and you know, health and wellness from like a holistic standpoint. So, you know, girls on the run, check all, all those boxes off. And, you know, hopefully throughout the summer and the next two years, I'll be able to be, you know, involved with them in Los Angeles a lot more. One, another of the many cool elements I think of, of AU, we're touching on so many different things here, but I think you mentioned earlier how you didn't see yourself becoming a member of the media maybe until a little bit later. Um, but AU has kind of afforded you the ability to stay stateside during the WNBA offseason. You can play AU, you can, you know, be on the ACC network, all these different things. How has AU affected your prep for the W seasons? And, and how are you balancing all your responsibilities here in the WNBA offseason? Yeah, I think it's, it's. I mean, you you hit it right on the head, like just allowing us to stay stateside and prepare for the W season while we're also, you know, embarking on other, you know, job opportunities and just other networking opportunities in, um, in general in, in the United States. You know, the, these are opportunities that would come by and, and go, you know, because I'd be like, oh, dang, sorry, I can't. I'm in Europe for eight months. But can y'all wait? And they're just like, no, sorry, you know, we'll catch you when you're back, back in the United States. So having this for me, you know, moving forward, you know, last year, you know, AU was about me getting a contract. Like, that's what I was in Las Vegas for. Like, I was, I mean, not saying that I'm not super locked in this year, but last year I had just had a different type of motivation and focus. Um, but now moving forward, I feel like, you know, I found my home in the, in the W, um, at least for two years. Um, and I think I've, you know, solidified my spot as one of the elite shooters in the league, which is coming becoming super important in the WNBA, which I love. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday, like there's really no off season for W players. And when there is, you know, players don't all flock to one city. Like, you know, the NBA guys do, you know, they don't, we don't get to train together. We don't get to have pickup sessions multiple times a week because we're all just in LA or we're all just in Miami or we're all just in Dallas, you know, just hanging out and training. Like we don't have that luxury of one, having an off season long enough to do that or two, just being able to just drop everything and, and hang out in a city for a few months that we don't live in. So, you know, AU for me is, you know, kind of that, you know, I've gotten in the gym with a bunch of different players, you know, at various times during the weeks I've been here and just being able to play against players at a really high level, having refs, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, getting taken out, playing pickup, you know, at LA fitness or something like that, playing with grown men who have something to prove. Like I hate doing that. And, you know, I think some people are like, oh, it's good to go play against men at the gym. And like, no, it's really not all the time because at the end of the day, you know, they have nothing to lose. So it's like sometimes it's good to go play, you know, at open gyms, open runs at like L.A. Fitness or something like that. But 
you know, I think for, for us, like this is an ideal situation for players that, you know, don't want to go overseas or have tried it or play a half season, but want to be, you know, physically and mentally prepared for training camp because, you know, we have less than a month before training camp starts once this ends. So, you know, I think the timing, you know, couldn't be, couldn't be better, you know, for W players. Yeah. I think don't let the, those, the men insecurities mess with your money. <laughs> I, I know like no, Ariel exactly. Powers loves, Ariel Powers loves to give he them loves buckets. It. He like thrives <laughs> off of that male energy that like they want to beat her so bad. And for me, like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't move me. And I'm just like, y'all can have, y'all can have LA Fitness. I promise y'all can have LA Fitness. <laughs> like, it is okay. <laughs> y'all want to play on this tiny court? Go ahead. That's the, that's definitely the quote we're going to clip from this podcast. <laughs> y'all can have LA Fitness. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> as, as we shift to the W here before we wrap up, I wanted to rewind back to 2021 and your title season it seemed like you and Diamond to Shields really developed such an awesome chemistry. And every time that video of you guys dancing pops up, <laughs> I just crack such a wide smile. I love it. How would you describe the person that Diamond is? Diamond, I mean, I've known Diamond since we've been 12. So, you know, she's someone that I've grown up with. Um, you know, I've seen her go through what she's gone through. She's seen me gone, go through what I've gone through. Um, and I think like the best word to describe her is just genuine. You know, everything she does comes from a really genuine place. Um, she'll do anything for anybody. Um, and she works really hard and, you know, she's definitely a really private person. So I, I see why some people always are trying to figure out who she is, who Diamond is, but she's always been like that. She's like always been super private, working in silence and you kind of dealing with what she's dealing with on her own, with her family and her friends. Um, but again, like what she's dealing with in the W is, you know, something that I dealt with early in my career. And, you know, I think that it's going to be good for her, um, you know, to, to be on a team that appreciates her, that values her, you know, that wants her to be successful. Um, because I think that's something that she has lacked the last, especially last season, um, you know, coming from somebody that knows her, you know, she didn't tell me any of these things, but, you know, I know her and I know how the WNBA works because I've been, you know, bounced around a lot too. And, you know, environment is everything and your teammates and coaches having confidence in you means a lot. Um, so I'm just really excited for her this season. You know, I think that she's going to have a really special year. Um, you know, she got to rest. Um, you know, she didn't go overseas. She's been resting. I know she's going to be back in the gym killing it. Um, so I'm just really excited for her. You know, she deserves all the things and I'm really happy that we got to spend that one season together. Um, you know, when we were kids, we always, we both wanted to be pros, but we never thought that the stars would align for us to ever be on the same team together. Um, so for that to happen, um, was really cool. And even the season that I had, you know, as far as getting waves and then by Minnesota, then getting waves by Chicago and being able to come back, you know. I don't think I would have made it through that summer without her. So, you know, I think, and I think vice versa. I don't think she would have made it through that summer without me. So, you know, we had a great time and to finish it off with the championship, you know, what more can you ask for? I can't be unbiased here because I have a diamond to shields poster up in my bedroom now. So <laughs> I love that. Uh, but that's the right kind of bias. I think let's, let's skew that direction. Yeah. But you're getting another old teammate back this season of the W with Azrae Stevens coming over to yes. the Sparks. I'm so happy. 
I always hear such great stuff about Azure, but if you had to pitch her to the Sparks fans that are listening, what kind of player are they getting in Azure? They're getting a matchup nightmare. Um, someone that is always going to have a smile on her face. And she actually does a lot of the dirty work, even though it doesn't always look like it because she makes it look so easy. Um, she really is one of those players that's going to get those loose balls, get those tough rebounds. Um, and she's just going to go out there and play hard. And I think that this is a great situation for her. I don't think she's quite ready to like get the keys to an entire organization yet, even though I feel like that she's that caliber of player. Um, I think putting her next to NECA is going to be great for her growth as a player and as a leader. So I'm like really excited for her. Um, and my selling point to her to come to LA was that she has a membership to Soho house and they don't have Soho houses in Minneapolis. Um, <laughs> so that's how I got her to come to the Sparks. So that's a great selling that point. My main, that was one of my main selling points. Cause we love Soho house. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, all right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. So, looking ahead to this weekend tonight, the the madness starts with the first four. Friday, we got sixteen games. Saturday, we got sixteen games. Obviously, you're busy with with AU and 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 playing actual basketball yourself. But are there any <laughs> tournament watch parties planned for this weekend? How do you guys plan to watch some of these games? And who's been the most vocal repping their repping their school down at AU? Um. Watch parties, I don't know, because we have the game days. So, you know, I'll probably have my own watch party in my room by myself. Um, who's been the most vocal? I don't know, really. There's not people, you know, we're all we're a little old over here. You know, the little college, college spirit is kind of <laughs> running out a bit on this side. You know, I've, I've it's been six years, but um, I think once the tournament starts, people will start to rep their schools, especially if, you know, teams get matched up against each other. Um, but I'm expecting some upsets this weekend, maybe one or two. But these home crowds this year have been very, very impressive. So, you know, I'm a little more skeptical to pick up teams getting upset on their home floor because the turnouts of these games this year have been so impressive. And it's going to be hard to beat these teams at home. Well, now you now you queued us up. That was supposed to be the last one. But give us an upset that you got your eye on. Um, hold on. Let me check at my bracket. The five. Oh, I have a lot of, what is it? Four, four, five would be this weekend or the next five twelves. Oh, oh, yeah, five four fives will be, yeah. Sunday and Monday. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't have, I don't have, I can't think off the top of my head how many upsets I have for this weekend. But next weekend, I have a lot of, I have some fives upsetting fours. Um, and then I think. Um, UNC was probably one of my first weekend upsets, I think. I love it. And then we got Duke cutting down the nets, right? And Duke cutting down the nets. And they have an offensive explosion for the next few weeks, surprising everybody. Duke with 100 on Iowa. That's what I want to see. Like, oh, let's flip I it. would fall out of my chair if they scored <laughs> 70 points against Iowa. Like, please. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lexi. This was so fun. And I know it's game day. So thank you for making the time for us. Thanks for pulling up with us. And we're rooting for you today. And we're rooting for the, the Blue Devils and the tourney. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.